Welcome to A State of Mind, the podcast that brings together consciousness, meditation, mindfulness, psychology, psychedelics, and so much more in pursuit of this mystery we call life. This is Julian Royce. Thank you for tuning in. I hope that you are all doing well and weathering the storms that 2020 continues to throw our way. It's been quite the year, but I'm not going to get into all that right now. I'm going to talk about today's episode, which concerns a heavy subject and one that has been covered multiple times now on this podcast, and that is the subject of sexual abuse from a teacher or guru. I guess the, the bigger subject is abuse in spiritual communities. Um, so here's a trigger warning. If this subject is very disturbing to you, you may not want to listen or you may want to wait to listen to this at a time when you feel ready to do so. So today I'm speaking with Samantha Emmett and she courageously shares with us about her story. And I use the word courageous here intentionally. It's not just that she is sharing her story here, but that she's actually done a lot of work, a lot of psychological work and for lack of a better word, spiritual work um, around this since she left this community. And it's a community that she called home for many years. So for me, getting to hear about her journey of healing and wholeness that she has been on since leaving this community uh, was really moving and it really shone through in our conversation. Um, I don't want to give too long of an intro here. I think our conversation really does speak for itself. But to put it in a little more context, Samantha lived for a while at a community in Bali led by one Ratu Bagus. And he calls himself an energy master. He calls his meditation practice, quote, bioenergy meditation or shaking meditation. And he has students coming from all over the world to learn this from him. And Samantha says in our conversation that the practices that she learned there really do help people. She saw people healing, um, sometimes in pretty amazing ways. So I don't want to discount that. Um, I do think it's interesting to note the connection that Ratu and obviously other people as well are making with science. You know, and for me personally, I'm a big fan of bringing spirituality and science and all different kinds of disciplines together in constructive ways. And I recognize we really need to do so carefully and critically. Um, and I was just reflecting on this idea after recording this, of um, this idea of shaking to release trauma. It's not a new idea. And I believe that the concept comes in part from the brilliant scientist Robert Sapowski. He wrote a book called Why Don't Zebras Get Ulcers? And it's a great book, highly recommend it. It's about 25 years old at this point. Um, he discusses science and the biology of stress and how zebras and other animals, if they are pursued or attacked by lions, you know, or predators out in the wild, if they escape to safety, they will then shake for a period of time afterwards once they're safe and they are releasing the, the trauma of that experience, letting that energy out of their nervous system, the fight flight that has propelled them to safety. And I actually have this memory. I remember being at a kind of hippie festival and this guy gathered 
people together for his workshop, and it was on releasing trauma by shaking. And he had everyone think about you know their trauma to some degree, and then jump up and down and shake. <sighs> if only it were so easy to heal trauma, you know, then there would be a lot less need for trauma-informed therapists like myself. But sadly, it's often not so easy to do, and humans are much more complex than zebras and other animals. Um, if you actually read Sapolsky, he does a great job of pointing out how humans differ from animals. And one key way is we can cause changes in our nervous system just through language and just through thought. For example, if you think about a person that makes you angry, you know, or brings up some emotion in you, perhaps like Donald Trump, I don't know, it can cause you to actually experience anger or whatever emotion that brings for you. And then, you know, that's a measurable change in your physiology and in your nervous system. And so that's actually exactly why I gave a trigger warning at the start of this episode. It's because hearing about certain topics can cause a lot of emotions in us. And, um, you know, these emotions often come for a good reason. You know, it's totally legitimate to feel anger and to care about something like this. But in any case, humans are more complex than animals, and this, this thinking process, our capacity for language and conceptual thought, and for memories, is part of why trauma can be stored in our system and can affect us for so many years after the fact. So, a big thanks to Samantha for coming on this podcast and sharing all of her wisdom with us. And without further ado, I bring you Samantha Emmett. today with Samantha Emmett. Samantha, thanks for being on the podcast. Thank you. I'm really happy to be here. Yeah, it's great to have you. Yeah. And um, you're here partly because of an experience with a spiritual group. And mm -hmm. I think, you know, I just want to start off like hearing a little bit more about your life in general. Like you just, mm -hmm. I just learned you grew up in Boulder. I did. So yeah. that's, that's actually kind of unusual to grow up in Boulder, Colorado. Everyone moves here, but no one's from here. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. I consider myself a unicorn, a Boulder unicorn. Um, yeah, I actually grew up in Jamestown, Colorado, mm. which is a little mountain town. Um, I went to elementary school up until like second grade. Mm -hmm. And then I came down to Boulder and went to Foothills Elementary. Oh, so Jamestown is a tiny town up in it's the mountains. It's tiny. Hard winters, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I didn't, I lived not in Jamestown. I lived like a little bit outside mm. of it. Um, but yeah, it's, it's definitely, it got hit pretty hard with the floods. Mm. I think of I remember that. anywhere in Colorado, I think Jamestown got hit the hardest yeah. from my understanding. I wasn't here at that time though. But yeah, I grew up in Boulder, Colorado. I grew up in a really musical mm. family. Um, oh, cool. Uh, a lot of music in my extended family, as well as my uh, my mom, my Does dad. Your, my what kind of music? Um, well, my uncle is a bluegrass musician. Mm -hmm. And uh, I grew up going to a lot of shows. Like, my dad would have shows in bars. So, yeah, you, 
Yeah. Your my, dad is a bluegrass musician? My uncle is a bluegrass musician. He is a bluegrass musician. Oh, cool. He's he's part of the group Leftover Salmon. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Yep. They're he's, pretty well known. They are pretty well known. So um, he is the mandolin player. His name is Drew Emmett. Hmm. And then my dad uh, was in a few bands while I was growing up. So I would go to bars at like a really young age. And I have these really <laughs> strong memories of being in a bar when I was really young and not really understanding what was going on, but seeing that people were being very silly. <laughs> and and uh, yeah, so it was just like being a, a playfulness. Yeah, just like people dancing and seeing my dad on stage. Mm. And uh, my mom's a great singer. So I picked up a guitar when I was 13. Mm. And I've been playing guitar since then. Oh, cool. And I write songs. And I was in a band with my sister called the Emmett Sisters. On Spotify. It's a good bluegrass name. Is it bluegrass? It was, uh, we called it like soul grass. The Emmett sisters. Yeah. I'm thinking of the Avett brothers, right? <laughs> yeah, we're a little different than them. <laughs> <what> <laughs> they're boys and we're girls. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, they're not so much bluegrassy, more folky, I would say. Hmm. Yeah. Beautiful. And so that was, uh, music was a great avenue for me for a long time in spirituality. Hmm. So I used to express a lot of my... Well, my expression towards, um, I don't really know what word to use at this point, but I guess spirit or God or... Mm, the music uh, is a big part of that. Yeah, it was my expression. Well, I think you're... That. Yeah, you're not alone in that. Definitely not. And I think music is an incredible way to connect. And yeah. at this point, I feel that what we're all really seeking is just connection. Yes. You know, and yeah, so absolutely. music is a great avenue for that. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. I think that's a good word for it, connection. Yeah. And I think um, music has this amazing quality of, you know, it can lead to like a more transcendent experience or like yeah. losing yourself. It can also be totally super embodied and yeah. it can be very sensual. Mm -hmm. And it's to me, it kind of like this spectrum of like hedonism to like transcendence. It kind yeah. of encaptures yeah. this amazing range of experience. Totally, like, totally. Yeah. Well, was it, how did, like, going to these bars when you were young, was that scary or was that fun? Or? I think it was fun. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I think I was always sad that I had to go to sleep, you know. Uh, I was like, okay, it's 9 o'clock, it's time for bedtime or whatever. And it was like, but. <laughs> <laughs> I think that it did something to my psyche to see my dad on stage. Mm. And I think that it, um, I don't know, I don't think... I think maybe I idealized it almost, but like it's something that I saw as like really cool. Mm. So I think yeah. because of that, I wanted to strive for that for a certain period of sure. my life. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. My, my dad's a musician. Cool. So I, I didn't that, know that. The same experience of seeing him up on stage. Yeah. I didn't go to bars so much, oh, okay. or like restaurants like, more. I was going to ask. <laughs> events. Yeah, or, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's interesting that like seeing your father up on stage and wanting yeah. to emulate that maybe. And totally. Yeah. It's, it's a powerful thing. I think mm. I've heard someone explain like being loud, like the way we evolved, like, huh. you know, we pay attention to noise, to loudness and mm. there's a certain power in obviously being able to capture a group's attention and hold their attention yeah. and entertain. Mm -hmm. and it goes way back. We've been, mm -hmm. as long as we've been human, probably we've had drums around the fire like totally. music is something that drawing us together definitely and i think it also like i was thinking about this the other day like when we were in like little hunter gatherer tribes or little yeah. villages 
Yeah. And it was late at night and there's a fire and you're making, if they're making a lot of music, it's kind of a way of like saying you're not afraid. Because if you're in that area, yeah. everyone in the area is going to hear you. Yeah. And they're going to know where you are. Yeah. So yeah, if, you're, yeah. if you're trying to hide, you wouldn't want to make a lot of sounds. So I think yeah. it's just interesting to think about that. Yeah. You know, interesting. Like, here we are. Yeah. Like the animals know we're here. The other people know we're here. Ma- like, yeah. This is our space. We are here. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, that it's kind of makes me think about how like an important part of survival as humans is uh, is community. Right. Like a healthy human. And there's safety there, right? There's safety yeah. totally. And music is a place uh, that creates community like music Mm. is like a glue for community and also in a lot of ways like getting loud and getting big and getting like attention can be a survival mechanism as well you know and and i think absolutely on a small level as children we learn how to do those things to survive i know for me as a kid getting bigger and being like i need something (laughs) (laughs) Now that's how I got something. Pay attention to me. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. Or I got like shunned for it, you know, but yeah, I kind of went off on a whole other tangent, but just about survival and community and yeah. I think it relates to what we said we were going to talk about, which is that you connected with the spiritual community and the trials and tribulations thereof. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know how, I mean, it sounds like you're interested in spirituality from a young age. And there was something calling to you. That's so funny you say that because I've been thinking about that a lot lately of just like, um, I think I was given spirituality. Like I grew up uh, with a lot of spirituality around me. I grew up with a lot of ghost stories around me. So like a Mm. lot of like mystical stuff and a lot of like, uh, I don't know. (laughs) Like ghost stories? Yeah, like ghost stories. Like I guess mystical. I don't know. I can't think of the other word, but... Um, I think that that also affected me a lot to be a a seeker, Mm. I guess. Right. And to be... I think that's healthy for a period of time. I don't know if it's healthy to stay there forever. I agree. But um, to be able to explore, to be able to seek, to be able to find meaning, to be able to think about bigger questions. Totally. I think Mm. there's seeking outside of ourselves and Mm. then there's seeking inside of ourselves. Mm. And I think for a period of time, I was... for. A long period of time I was externalizing and I was always looking for something outside like I always like the great mother and the great father and ultimately I was always just trying to heal my relationship with my mom and my dad you know mm. and looking for this idealized version of them and trying to find that mm. to heal where where I might have where they may have lacked right. not because they weren't great parents they were But no parent is perfect and they were young and Mm. there and I'm really unraveling the things around my parents that may have affected me to to be susceptible to being abused by a spiritual teacher, you know, in the way that I was seeking. That's a good connection. I I think. Our parents aren't perfect. I think in um, psychology, they, we tend to blame our parents for everything. And, Definitely. And I think, yep. um, I've, heard <laughs> That's a, true. I've heard the spiritual teacher, Reggie Ray, who now has his own criticisms online and all that. But mm-hmm. I've heard him talking about connecting with the earth and letting the earth be our mother and let it be the mother that we can never actually have. And, right. And he was kind of exactly. talking about this in a conscious way where you could consciously enter into a relationship that feels more secure through mm-hmm. some of these spiritual practices. And that's really interesting to think about. And yeah. I think you need to be careful with that kind of thing. I agree because um, that's still externalizing. 
Yeah. It's still looking for the earth for something outside. Mm. It's like, what's the next level of that? The mother inside. Mm. How do I mother myself? Because right. no matter what, right. that five-year-old, that seven-year-old, that 16-year-old, they're all still in there. And they're right. all still throwing the same tantrum that they threw back then. Yeah. And so now as yeah. an adult, as a functioning adult, to come in and be like, I see you, I hear you, I love you, mm. and I'm not trying to change you. Because all I wanted at that time was somebody to say, like, I see you. Mm. Like, you are hurting right now, and that's okay. To be seen. To just be seen. And I think that that's what we crave a lot from our parents is to be seen and protected in in that. Mm. Being protected where we are. So, yeah, yeah, to not externalize even to that, even to Mother Mm. Earth. Yeah, we can get so much from Mother Earth. Like, yeah, that's amazing. Mother Earth is amazing. And we really need to source from inside. And maybe Mother Earth helps with that sourcing. Give you a step on that process. Definitely. I like like the way you describe that. And I like how you're introspecting. You're looking at your life and like, how did I... It sounds to me like you're kind of like, what is my role here and where I wound up and the experiences I had? Totally, Um, yeah. Which is an important part of... Be more authentic, I think. You know, we have to do that. Yeah. It's not about blaming yourself or blaming even... Or blaming your parents. Yeah. Or blaming your parents. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 But also recognizing where there has been pain from our parents. It's like, mm. that's been a hard part for me too. Is like, I don't want to blame my parents. And I can still recognize where they might have dropped the ball mm. in a way, you totally. know. And that's okay. Like, it's... I'm not going to like try to force myself to have compassion for them because that's that's not authentic either but mm. i can start to understand it and that mm. by understanding it i start to gain compassion mm. you know just through that understanding and it's not forced actually i let myself blame them i let myself be mad at them mm. and through that process i came back to um being okay with it hmm. and recognizing that like, okay, now I have to be the adult for myself where there wasn't an adult for me. Mm-hmm. And I used to feel resentment yeah. for that. Right. Like, why couldn't you have been the adult? <laughs> damn it. But now it's like, I actually find myself become, come into a great sense of wholeness hmm. by practicing this. That's beautiful. Yeah. It's yeah, been very yeah. beautiful. It's also been really hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, because you're, you're touching in with those parts of yourself, with those memories, with that mm-hmm. journey. Yeah. And um, yeah, it's amazing. Well, it's amazing that we have this capacity to heal. You know? Totally. And that we, yeah. can, we can do this. And, yeah. Um, so you were a seeker. You get back to that. Yeah, okay. How, what age or like how long was that? Were you consciously seeking like that? Um. Would you, would you call yourself a spiritual seeker? Was that yes, kind of your... Yeah. Totally. So my spiritual experiences, I found ayahuasca when I was 19. Oh, and I Yeah, it was really young. But it was funny because the first time I heard that word, I was like... I felt something wake up in me that felt like it was always there but always asleep. Hmm. Um, because I, I didn't know myself spiritually, but I knew that I wanted to. And so I heard the word ayahuasca and I was like, like, kind of like if you say bacon to your dog, <laughs> and your dog's like, flip. Like a light went off. Yeah. Like, you were oh, like, <laughs> yeah. So did you, you sought that out? Oh yeah. About two weeks later, after I heard oh. about it, I was in a ceremony 
Is that and, in Colorado or did you travel? No, that or? was that was in California. Oh, okay. Um, and I had a death experience where my my spirit left my body and I went mm. into the light and I mm. felt myself become everything and nothing at the same time and I really realized that I wanted to take care of myself. Mm. And that was the first step in my spirituality is I wanted to love myself more Beautiful. because I had a lot of self-hatred. Mm. I mean, my thoughts probably 85% of the time were horrible to myself, really, really mm. mean. Self-critical, self-negative. Oh, yeah. yeah. Judging, um, worth, you're worthless, you're a piece mm. of shit. My mind really loves that one still to this day. Mm. That one comes <laughs> up all the time. I'm like, hey... Thanks. So when it comes up now, like, what do you do? I don't, I'm not as attached to it. It doesn't affect you as much. No, I'm just aware of it. I'm aware of it happening. And, and that's actually an indication like, oh, something's happening for me right now. Like, Mm. okay, something's up for me. And I actually want to become curious to that. Like what, what is happening right now for you, Samantha? Like curiosity and. Yeah. Yeah. Introspection instead of like, you're a piece of shit. Whereas before Mm. I would have been like, oh my God, I'm a piece of shit. Now it's like it's amazing oh. how amazing how common such self negativity is in our culture. Oh my god, yeah. And I really believe I think that this is more common in our culture than maybe in more other cultures, other more traditional cultures. Yeah, I wonder. Um I don't know that factually, but from what I've read and been able to research and learn, like it's yeah. like there was no this is another tangent, but like the Go for it. <laughs> there's this story that's like often told in Buddhist circles of like the, the Dalai Lama in the early 90s had these Western you know, people from America and Europe come to him. And they're like, how do we work with self-hatred and self-negativity? Mm. And he um, has a translator there and, and they were he wasn't able to understand what they were saying. He's like, what do you mean? Inter- what is that? Interesting. And the, the translator was really struggling and they spent huh. days talking about this and oh. I think the I think this is one of the early conversations in the Mind and Life Institute bringing mm. scientists together I think it was um, a famous scientist I can't remember his name who originally brought this question to him and they realized like the word in Tibetan for ourself means self-cherishing mm. and so a lot of the Buddhist teachings are all about you know caring about others more not caring so much yes. just about yourself not being so selfish yeah. but yeah. they didn't have culturally and in their own language they didn't have this idea of self-hatred like that didn't concept didn't exist in their minds yeah and it's fascinating to think about interesting and that is dangerous for somebody who does have self-hatred to then put others first yeah yeah exactly exactly so now in our world today we really need to work on this the self-negativity and and learn how to love ourselves yeah and um yeah yeah it's interesting yeah because there's a form of bypassing there Mm -hmm. to again externalizing um i might use that word a lot but to instead of being like so there's this, I'm not enough, I'm not worthy. And then it's like, okay, now I need to take care of other people. That's actually a form of bypassing, mm, exactly. working on ourselves. Yeah. And I see this with facilitators where they're like, they get put on this pedestal and then they they don't want to, they hide behind that, mm-hmm. you know, like they don't want to become vulnerable because they're supposed to be perfect and all right. of this and they're teaching and they're helping everybody else. But the most the most amazing teachers I have seen are the ones that talk about where they're struggling, mm. where they feel they're failing, where they're learning, and they're um, vulnerable. And they're vulnerable mm-hmm. because it's humanizing it all. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like we're all trying to be spiritual beings, but like what about being human? 
Right. You know, why can't we be that? Because that's, that's also spiritual. That's beautiful. Yeah. Being human is really uncomfortable. (laughs) (laughs) It's just really uncomfortable. Yeah. It's awkward. It's embarrassing. So awkward. (laughs) It's so awkward. (laughs) Everyone's putting up some kind of front, you know, on social media or in Hollywood or whatever. And the reality is different. You know, the, our inner subjective experience might not match the external mask. Yeah. So, Definitely. Yeah. So what? I want to go back to your story. With the seeking. <laughs> seeking. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and you, I mean, eventually you traveled to Indonesia. I know that much of your story. Yeah. So was that part of a long, did you travel all around the world? Did you? Um, I did some traveling. Yeah. Um, but as far as like my spiritual traveling, um, I, so I, I studied with Ratu for five years before yeah. my experience, before the abuse. So, and Ratu is the name of the Ratu is a spiritual teacher. Yeah. And he's in Bali, right? He's in Bali. So, so I've just been learning a little bit from you. Right. I should probably um, give some background to sure, that before yeah. I bring that up. Yeah. Um, Ratu Bagus is a spiritual teacher in Bali who, uh, created a bio energy shaking meditation hmm. And it's very powerful. There's no doubt about that. And he has an incredible gift as Mm. a human being to be able to open doors to different like dimensions for people. Mm. Um, People go there to heal things. Uh, There's a man that I've met personally that was healed of AIDS. Scientists wanted to study him. Wow. Um, so he went there with AIDS and he left there without? Yeah. That's an incredible story. It's that's, an incredible story, Is that right? something you yeah. saw with your own eyes? I knew him after he was healed, yeah. after he was cured. You met him. Yeah. But I've, um, there's one, there was a man who was diagnosed with breast cancer. He was Australian. And hmm. I loved one of his, his story really stuck out to me. He went to the ashram and he was there for two weeks but he was like really in it. And um, the first thing that happened was, uh, I think like black goop came out of his nipple and then white pus came out of his nipple and he was healed of breast cancer. (laughs) That's a wild story. Yeah. So these are the kinds of stories that would be told in this community, but it sounds like they're they're true from what you're saying. I, mean, I believe do you doubt, them. You believe them. Okay. I do believe them. I do believe in his abilities. Well, I do amazing. believe in the healing that I happens. I know that our, our minds are so powerful. And I do believe that healing can happen on the level of our mind and manifest through our body. I mean, Definitely. That's, that's something I do believe. But yeah. it's certainly outside our normal way of thinking about things. It is. Yeah. Yeah. So there's this incredibly magical thing. It's incredibly yeah. magical. And I don't deny that. Yeah. Um, that doesn't... That doesn't... Um, that doesn't take away from what happened and where right. this teacher was incredibly out of integrity with wow. me. So that's and that's the, the thing. Those things can exist at the same time. Right. That's part of the tension here and part of the honesty. Yeah. yeah. And it totally. also, like, to me, when I hear that, it, like, makes sense that you went there and invested time and energy. A lot of time like, and you're energy. Like, not, you're not an idiot, right? I hope not. I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> But you know what I, I think mean? there's like, like, some of that. Probably. If we get into a situation that becomes abusive or negative, then yeah. afterwards that self-blame, that self-negativity oh, can be so strong. Like, ah, why yes. did I do that? You're blaming yourself. And like, well, totally. I wrote a whole song about that. You're looking for healing and it makes sense mm-hmm. that you went to this place. Like, it's, yeah. 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 And I did find healing when I first got there. So mm. I went there one time when I was like 
23 or something and i was there for like seven and a half months is it like a commune yeah it's an ashram okay so a community of people praying pretty much or meditating or whatever Mm. and so that was the first time i went and i stayed there and um nothing happened his wife was there it was i never would have assumed yeah he would have done anything And then four years or so went by and I got the call to go again. I was starting Mm. to really seek and I was starting to, things were starting to break down. I had a lot of questions. So I went again and I dropped in. Mm. I was like, like he really opened the door for me. I was feeling myself Mm. heal on these incredibly deep levels and I trusted him so much because of that I felt like he was he felt like my father how I remember Mm. loving my father when I was like a child that like Mm. complete like love you Mm. know there's nothing in the way so you had this like surrender this openness surrender yeah Yeah, and then he started kissing me and my first thought was wow he's healing my sexual wounds Thank you so much. Oh, wow. And then he started putting his tongue in my mouth. And I was like, I don't like that. But yeah. if maybe he's healing the discomfort, constantly making an excuse for mm. those actions. Like what? So, so if we slow down here, like, yeah. was it just out of the blue? Like you were shocked? I was, I was pretty shocked. Oh, okay. Um, and I'm assuming this happened when it was just the two of you together? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It, it, um, yeah. Yeah. So the thing is, is that he can feel where people are at. So if somebody is incredibly open to him, Hmm. he can feel that. He can feel how deeply he can work with somebody. Hmm. At least this is what I believe. Mm -hmm. Um, And this is what I felt from my experience. And then there was a few times that um, we ended up being in the same place. And it was pretty much just me and him. There were like maybe some Balinese there. Hmm. And he started saying, uh, okay, give a kiss. And so I was like, oh, you know, he was grooming me. He was really grooming me. He was making me feel really special. Mm. And then... Um, so right during this time, like, you were feeling like he was giving you more attention. Totally. Which probably felt good to you because... Oh, definitely. Yeah, he was choosing me. Hmm. People were really jealous of me at that time because hmm. I was... He was always calling me up to show an example of the shaking meditation and how the energy works. Mm. And So you'd go up in front of everyone. Totally, and, yeah, yeah. Yep, yeah. yep. Because you do the shaking meditation and the goal is that the energy that he gives you shakes you. You don't actually do the shaking. And it's really crazy because it does happen. Like I've experienced that where like my body is like literally shaking and I'm not doing anything. You're not in control. You've surrendered the ego. Totally. That's powerful. It's kundalini. Yeah. And so he starts bringing me up to show me this. So I'm pretty much in an altered state. Of consciousness right. at this point. Right. So and in that way, more vulnerable. Completely um, vulnerable. Yeah. Completely trusting. Like this is what I felt <laughs> was a deeper. It felt like it felt like as if it was a family member doing it because of the vulnerability, mm. because of the trust. Mm. And of course, you know, I was 27 at the time. And so I... That was another part of that self-blame. You're you're an adult. You should know better, mm. you know? And a lot of people said that to me too. Like, 
And it took me a while to get over that. You're an adult. Yeah, that's, I mean, like we just talked about earlier, like we have different parts of ourselves that are yeah. at different ages. And Definitely. the other thing I want to just name here yeah, please. is the just the power of group dynamics. So you're in a community, oh, you're yeah. living together. The leader of the community mm-hmm. takes on this godlike status. Yes. And then if he recognizes someone else, you know, it's not... It's never a community of equals. There's always like, oh, so-and-so is more yeah. spiritually advanced. Oh, my God. You're so-and-so on, yeah. in a past life connected with the teacher or whatever it is. You know? <laughs> totally. Like, there's a lot or they, of that. They've been here for 20 years, so listen to what they have to say. Yeah. And there's this hierarchy. Yes. And it's not, I'm not saying that that in and of itself is bad, but we need to make it conscious. And we need to like understand how fucking powerful yeah. being recognized is. Right? Yeah. Like, the influence of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a really, really good point. And it's also the um, the self-absorption that comes with that mm. for people who have been there for 20 years and think that they know. And what I saw with people who had been following him for a long time, they were not getting it. No, <laughs> they yeah. were like really like just so... Like just as neurotic as before. Oh my gosh, yeah. They no. were... Like, actually, the more time that somebody spent there, the more crazy they became. Well, that's interesting. From what I saw, Maybe yeah. that's another flag. I think so, um, yeah. You, you said that the, the thing he was teaching did have power and was helping people. But then yeah. when people stayed there for so long, they weren't they, maybe... They got cray-cray. Maybe, yeah, yeah, that's interesting. I got cray-cray, for hmm. sure, from staying there for a long time. But I was also, you know, being, like, preyed upon. So that don't make anybody get cray-cray. <laughs> but... <laughs> So that um, really obviously is messing with your head. What's mm-hmm, going on here? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, he told me that God chose me. Well, and mm. his wife, uh, she was she's English. She ended up going like schizophrenic cray cray. Oh wow. She tried to kill somebody. Oh. In uh, she tried to kill one of the Balinese women because she became so jealous, and she's like she just kept blaming him for cheating on her, and everybody's like, "Ratu, we never do that." You and know. She's and living like, there. She wasn't she, at the time. She became schizophrenic. She became pretty much schizophrenic. Like, I don't know if it was exactly schizophrenic, but she was so mentally unstable. Mm. She was dangerous. Mm. Literally dangerous. And this was his wife. And this was his wife. So yeah. she was gone the whole time I was there okay. trying to get better. Okay. But this is also a testament to another mm. red flag, another like something's really wrong here. Mm. And so while she's gone... He starts trying to get me to be his wife. Says God, <laughs> God chose you. Oh well. Um, so he's he, literally saying those words to you. Literally, yeah. And is yeah. he saying to you that he wants you to be his wife? He said, "I want to have babies with you." Okay. <laughs> it's yeah. Pretty, pretty direct. It's really direct. I guess yeah. It doesn't have to involve marriage, but <laughs> <laughs> I guess not. I guess not. But yeah, he said, "I think God chose you." And this is how manipulate, I've been studying manipulation. He planted this in me. Mm. I think God chose you. I want to have babies with you. And then um, just feeding me, feeding me that. And then uh, there's just, there's, I'm trying to like filter a little bit. Um, yeah. Yeah. And so he planted it in my head to feel this way. I can't remember if he specifically said, I want you to be my wife. Sure, but... but he alluded to it so many times <clears throat> and he gave me a ring. Um, oh, well, 
He also gave me this huge necklace. I still have them. I tried selling them on Facebook Marketplace. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Kind of funny. Does anybody want it? Well, I guess uh, part of your story here is he's not saying, I want to be with you. He's saying, God shows you. That's, yeah. I just no thought about that. Like, that's an interesting. Yeah, it's a power dynamic right there. For sure. And that he yeah. can somehow speak for God exactly. in a way that normal people exactly. can't. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. You just like phew, hit the nail on the head uh, with that. And that's how everybody looked at him. Mm. So people stop listening to themselves, that mm. externalizing again. Right. They're always looking at him to help them understand. And then, oh. and the other thing about it is like, he's infallible. Mm. We sang a song. I can't even believe this. There's so many red flags. We sang a song. Batu Bagu's never, never, never wrong. We sang that every oh, day. Wow. <laughs> saying that he's never wrong. I mean... Every day you would sing that. Pretty yeah. much. So it was a real, kind of the classic guru worship yeah. situation. Yep. That he's never wrong. He's perfect. Hmm. I saw him scream at somebody, embarrass them in front of the whole group. It was horrible. It was so mean. Mm. He said, I, I heard him say horrible things to people, like mm. commenting on their weight, commenting on how they looked, um, putting them down, oh. like was horrible this, was things. Was this couched in like, this is crazy wisdom or this is like wrathful wisdom? Yeah. Well, yeah. people would say, oh, he's trying to help her heal her daddy issues by screaming mm. at her. That was the thinking of the whole ashram. Like, oh, he's trying to help you do this. Mm. And that was a huge part of my healing because my teacher now, she's a woman. She's amazing. She's incredible. Mm. I was, she helped me get through this. Do you want to share her name? Yeah, her name is L. 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 Okay. I actually don't know her last name. Huh. I've been working with her for years. Interesting. Um, if anybody wants to know more about her, I would, I would um, say that you could reach out to me. Reach out to me individually. Sure. Um, I'd be so now, happy to share. Because so working with her has helped you heal and understand. Yeah, because yeah. yeah, I was like, what if him kissing me and him doing all this was to heal me? And she said, I'm helping you process this right now, and I'm not putting my tongue in your down your throat. Mm. <laughs> I was like, touche. <laughs> <laughs> right, like that's not necessary. It wasn't necessary. It, um, interesting, yeah. We never have to heal through abuse. And I watched him abuse people. I watched him gaslight people. Mm. I watched him like yell at people, like not even gaslight, like straight up verbal abuse. Mm. Um, he did it to me all the time. You know, oh. he would gaslight me like he tried to have sex with me and I said no and just like mm. left. So you said no to him. I said no to him. And that was a that was like the only no that he actually respected of mine. Other than that, he never respected when I asked oh. him not to do something. And um yeah, and he later was like, thank God I said no to having sex with you. He said that as if he said no. And, oh, then, and then he pretty much slut-shamed me. <laughs> in front of the community? Not in front of the community, no. Okay. No, in front of the community, he had to keep up this facade of, like, nothing's happening between Samantha and Ratu. Nothing's happening. If you think mm. something's happening, you're wrong. Something's oh, wrong so with you. He just you. denied everything. Oh, for sure. And then when I came out with my story on Facebook and was like, yo, <laughs> mm. this guy's fucked <clears throat> up. Um, 
people liked to tell me about how he was trying to heal me and or people said things like you have the devil in you and you need they would to say come that back. to you they were saying that to me yeah mm, you need to come back one. to it. that's a classic <laughs> one you just you got the devil in there's you there's a lot of christian of language in this is it yeah more than uh, is it, it does was he call himself a hindu or does he hindu okay I always thought that was interesting, though, because it did kind of remind me of... The devil. That's such yeah, a Christian concept. To, they talked about demons all the time. Okay. They ta- they demonized emotions, like uh. um, like you should always be happy. Mm. Some pretty intense spiritual bypassing. You should always wow. be happy. And my skin crawls when I hear that, because that's such a cornerstone of I what I try to practice is being with, you know, what's, what's here. Yeah. And, should always be happy. Yeesh. Always be happy. So all these people are laughing and smiling mm. and... There's a little per- a bit of a performance. Like, look how happy I am. Such a performance. And I was in that performance. I was sitting next to Ratu, like, pretending like I was so in love with him and pretending like I was so happy. And and uh, I was wow. pretty much, hold- like, I was doing a lot in that community. I was holding the share circles. I was holding song circles. I was, mm. And on top of that, so many people either hated my guts, loved me, envied me, uh, like, all mm. sorts of emotions from all sorts of people were just like constantly jealousy, coming at me. Yeah. Tons of jealousy. Mm. Yeah. People would say things about me in the share circle about like, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, it was a lot. It was yeah. a lot for one person to carry. And I thought I was <sighs> going to lose my mind. Yeah, it is a lot. And it sounds super, yeah. um, just super intense. It was super intense. <laughs> Like, uh, I guess the quality of cults, for lack of a better word, is they can be all-consuming, right? Like, it takes up your whole life, everyone you yes. know, everyone you're interacting yeah. with, everything you're thinking about. Totally, 100%. Um, and and there's also this promise that if you do this, you're going to get somewhere. Right. You know, yeah. like, Ratu promised, if you follow me, uh, you're going to get you're going to get to heaven. When you die, oh, no. you're going to go to a good place. Mm. Oh, your family's going to go to a good place. Everybody you love, you're going to, you know, you are the change. You are the chosen one. Mm. Uh, stuff like that. So. Yeah. Well, so now you came out with this on Facebook and it sounded mm-hmm. like other people had similar stories. Not so much, unfortunately. No. Okay. There were uh, a lot of people who didn't step forward. And to say, like, any time that they felt him creep on them. Except for one woman who he tried to kiss her and, and she hmm. just didn't go for it. And she didn't get deep into it. Um, so you think there were other women that may have experienced this that have I stayed do. silent? Yeah. I do, actually. Um, I, I noticed that as I came out with my story, I felt <clears throat> I felt like I was being burned by a community. I felt like I was being burned Mm. at the stake for speaking a truth. And the people who were silent, there Mm. were tons of people who, not tons of people, there were a few people that knew that this was happening, including my family members. Um, And they stayed pretty silent. And I felt that they were holding the torch just as much as the people who were Mm. telling me that I had the demon in me and shit, (laughs) you know? Family members that weren't involved with the group. Yeah, that anyway, weren't involved. I, yeah, that's not. I can see how that would be really painful too. Oh my God, I was I was <sighs> a puddle of pieces of nothing <laughs> on the floor. I was a mess. Yeah. I was such a mess. I um yeah, it was really really hard. I mm. felt like, but even through that feeling like I was a mess and allowing 
after coming back, letting it all out, taking all that shit from people, hmm. letting myself finally unravel. Hmm. I was unraveling that whole year. I was always unraveling, oh. but I was like trying so hard to hold it all together. And then I completely let it all go. And memory after memory after memory was coming up. And I just, I sat with the memories and I sat with them and I let my body shiver and I let myself like, oh, and I let myself scream and I let myself yell, no, 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 no. I let myself do everything that I didn't do for a year. Mm. And I had the space to do that. I had my dad who was so supportive. Mm. He was so there. I had my teacher. Um, those are, you know, those are the two people that I feel really held me at that time. And it took I a lot of bravery and then a lot of strength to go through that. And it doesn't feel that way in the time, in the moment. Right. I didn't feel brave and I didn't mm. feel strong. I felt like pieces. Mm. I felt stupid. I felt horrible. I felt um, ugly. I felt mm. unlovable. I felt all, yeah. you name it, so I the, felt it. Other people in the community were attacking you or. Oh, totally. I had to hold that. So difficult, yeah. I, and. I'm really proud of myself because as much as people were attacking me, I never attacked back. Mm. I don't even like, that feels good I don't now. even know how. Mm. Yeah. I'm really proud of myself. Like huh. I didn't see strength. I didn't see my strength until later. Mm. Um, but as this was happening, I can't remember what it's called, but in Japan, when a vase would break, yeah. They put it back together with yeah. gold. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. They glue it back together. Yeah. And, and the breaks are part of the beauty of... Exactly. And it's even like, more yeah, beautiful than before. Yeah. That's great. Well, I really appreciate you sharing this and this part of the story in particular because yeah. it shows the damage that yes. was caused. And it's it's yes. truly difficult. You know, it's not, yeah. it's, not, um, it's not a joke. It's not a joke. Um, yep. <laughs> no. Not and, a joke. And not everyone... <laughs> You know, I think if we're being really honest and realistic, not everyone can can make it through that kind of thing. Or maybe eventually mm. they can, but it know, takes the tools. Um, it takes its toll. You know? It takes yeah. There's for sure. years. There's time. There's energy. There's there's um there's a cost. Yes. To abuse, and it's borne by the person who was abused, definitely. and and it's uh, it can be really deep, and it can be hard to see. You know, it's not like a physical mm -hmm. wound. It's a it's a psychological or spiritual. Yeah wounding that then yep. takes time to heal yes yeah. yeah very well said and it's hard because you can't touch it hmm. i couldn't see the i could feel that my skin like my skin the wind on my skin was too much i felt so fragile hmm. but i didn't see any bruises right. I, I didn't see any cuts right. it was all inside and hmm. it was it felt so physical at the same time but it felt like it was like this open wound in my heart mm. that yeah, yeah it was very painful it was very painful and i think everybody can heal from abuse yeah and I believe that too. they need the tools. the tools and they need and to have the desire and the community, to, and the, and the community. relationships to support you yeah yeah it takes a lot of vulnerability to heal from these things and to have somebody that we trust mm. that like my teacher now we're processing, processing this. I'm not putting my tongue in your mouth. Mm, right. You know, 
We need somebody to trust that's not going to put their tongue in our mouth. <laughs> that's what we need. It's like bare minimum. <laughs> bare minimum. Yeah, yeah. This is my requirement. <laughs> yeah. And um, I guess that a big reason why I wanted to do this podcast too is um, I want to tell my story because I think there are a lot of people who have stories like this, whether mm. it is a family member from when they were a child, whether it was a teacher, whether it was uh, somebody in any position of power. That's the thing. It's a position of power. That's the right. key. That's a really important point and um, something I've been thinking about. And yeah. I, I feel like I'm really getting to a place now where I, I see the truth of these power differentials and how that can lead to abuse. And Yes. Um, I think it would just be a lot simpler and easier to just have a guideline or rule or whatever it is that you know makes sense why I like a teacher shouldn't be in a relationship with their student. Yes. It makes sense why yep. an attorney shouldn't be in a relationship, you know, with their client or yes. a therapist. And, yes. And the same thing for, for spiritual teachers. Yes. Um, because like what your teacher now pointed out, you don't need that stuff to do spiritual work, to right. heal. Right. And so why, even if it were possible for that, a relationship like that to be good for both people, like why risk it? If, right. if someone's truly enlightened, they shouldn't be wanting that for themselves. So, yeah. So what's the use of mm. it? That's kind of where I've gotten to with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I mean, for the record, I have talked to, you know, I've talked to a woman who's now a spiritual teacher and she's really powerful. And she told me one-on-one, I'm not going to say her name, but yeah, she had had a, some kind of sexual relationship with a teacher of hers and she felt good about it. And she would agree with what I just said. Yes. So mm-hmm. it was like a paradoxical thing. So totally. I just thought I would share that for what it's worth. But. Yeah. I think that no matter what, a true person of integrity would not take advantage of a power dynamic, Mm. whether they felt it or not. Mm. And in my opinion now, an enlightened person is not outside of the human realm. Mm. It means they might have those feelings towards a student, but they're going to stay in integrity. Right. You can have those feelings and stay in integrity. Yeah, yeah, they can regress. So Ratu regressed. Mm. He had a regression that doesn't take away from his gift. That doesn't take away from the power Mm. of what he does. It means that he's human. And Mm. it means that he did not, he did not integrate his spirituality and his humanness. He acted out in it and he was out of integrity and even being called out in it. He wasn't honest. Mm. So to me, oh yeah. He said that I jumped on him. He said that I, uh, you know, and so he turned it back it. on me. Yeah. I would have gained a lot of respect for him if he said, yes, I was out of integrity. Hmm. I did something wrong. Hmm. I am so sorry for the damage that I caused this person. Oh my God, I would have hmm. really gained a lot of respect. I would have seen him as a true teacher because he would have given everybody the opportunity hmm. to break down their idea of the infallible guru who does nothing wrong. Mm. And they could come back into like the same level. Yeah, and it would have been honest. It would have been been honest, uh, yeah. yeah. It would have been giving everybody a gift and he didn't Mm. because his pride is too important or whatever Mm. it was, I actually don't know, whatever. Um, (sighs) Yeah. That's quite the... I mean, it's just an amazing story. And then just, yeah. he goes in your experience, he's like this godlike figure, this guru, mm-hmm. 
to the confusion, taking advantage of you, mm-hmm. and then and then when confronted with it, he you, he lies, and then you he know lies. that he's lying. Oh yeah. So then all your prior beliefs are kind of their illusion, right? It wasn't. Hmm. I mean, there's you're also acknowledging his power and that his there's people getting helped and yeah. So that like is this real. paradox can be true, but yes. Um, it took me a while yeah. to accept that though, because yeah. part of my healing was demonizing him, was putting him down of like mm. hating so him. So you went through a time of just demonizing him. Totally. And now you're like in a different place. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think that's an interesting part of this whole story that you're sharing mm-hmm. in our world and like how you can go from putting someone on a pedestal to saying they're the worst person ever. Yeah. And the truth is probably in. more complex, but it's yeah. our human nature to like do this, this stance. It like, is, it is. It's a yeah. protective mechanism. Mm. So in the beginning, when he was the best person ever, he was my guru, he was blah, 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 blah. Um, ultimately, it was a way of externalizing. Mm. It was another way of externalizing. It was a way of, uh, it was it was a regressed state in me mm. to do that for That's him. That's interesting to him. point. Yeah. And then I moved into demonizing him. That was a survival state because it was too much to handle. Mm. I couldn't accept any goodness. Right. It's because, easier to just yeah, yeah. I had to work through and sift through all the crap. Right. I had to do that in order to come back to balance. But the thing is that I see with people who are healing mm. stuff like that, they get stuck in sifting through the crap. Mm. And that is also damaging Mm. there comes a time to step out of that and to come into balance right and that's where it's important for me to know i was a victim i was Mm. a victim of sexual and emotional and spiritual abuse Mm. and i'm not a victim now Mm. and those are two very important things i hold that victim I hold her. I love her. I know you were a victim. But now, if somebody were to try to do that to me, I would choke them. (laughs) I'm not a victim. I know better now. And that's so powerful. It is so powerful. I love that. It is empowering. And I came to this place for my own empowerment. I did that for myself. It was hard to get here because of the thinking that Ratu was doing all that to heal me. So if I actually heal from this, then he was right. I, and so I stopped myself for so long until I realized oh, wow. I'm giving myself the gift of healing. Mm. And I am the one who is gluing back every single piece of myself with fucking gold nice. so that I could be better than I was before. And I give him zero credit for that. The only credit I mm. give him is for tearing me apart because he did that. He did a great job of that. Mm. I put myself back together. Me, I did the work. I had guidance from my teacher, Elle, Hmm. who I couldn't have done it without her. She gave me the tools. She gave me the confidence. She gave me the space to help me understand myself. Hmm. And from that understanding, I actually understand my childhood. I understand what made me susceptible to it. And with that said, I'm not blaming my parents for what happened to me. I want to make that clear. I don't blame them sure. for what happened to me yeah. either. But what my teacher now called, what Elle calls it now, that was my perfect storm. Mm. Because of what I was missing in my childhood, this happening was my perfect storm. Mm. 
Mm. It wouldn't be everybody's perfect storm. There, there are other women that, like the woman who said he tried to kiss her, she didn't go for it as much. It wasn't her perfect storm. Right. That's but there's point. another yeah. thing that will be her perfect storm. Not will be, not like wishing that on her or anything <laughs> like that. But like there are other things that she would be more susceptible to. Right. Totally. Based off of her childhood, based right. off of what she is uh, working on or yeah. whatever. You no, know? That's, a, that's a great point in that we, different people have different vulnerabilities in this exactly. way. Exactly, yeah. There's this opportunity to heal and also to be more damaged or re-traumatized. Yeah. Um, that's a great point. Yeah. yeah. And it also, that thinking helps me to have compassion for myself. Right. It wasn't yeah. that I was an idiot. It wasn't that I was stupid. Right. There this, was this part something. Is so important. Yeah. yeah. There was something that was susceptible, and that's okay. Yeah, but in your in your desire to to heal, to grow spiritually, like, those are good desires. Those are good yeah. impulses. It doesn't yeah. make you a bad person or whatever. Yeah. I think part of what your story illustrates for me to repeat again is like when you get abused by someone, then you tend to blame yourself or think you deserve it, especially as children, mm -hmm. right? Like a yeah. child, a child, if a child does something wrong, they get totally, punished. Well, totally. But what if they're getting totally. abused when they haven't done anything wrong, but they're interpreting it like oh. they're being punished? And that's yeah. so painful. And, and these cycles perpetuate themselves. Yeah. Um, Definitely. Yeah. yeah. And that actually, from my understanding, the, the shame that mm, children the shame, have right. is also a survival mechanism. So as an example... If I'm a little three-year-old and my mom's making me a sandwich and I walk up to her and I'm like, Mom, <laughs> like I want a hug. Yeah. My mom happens to be thinking of all this other shit and she's actually really frustrated. She's like, God, just stop it. You're so needy. Mm. The three-year-old is going to be like, oh my God, don't be needy. Mm. Don't be needy. And so the next time... I were to reach out and say, mom, I want a hug. The first thing that's coming to come in is don't be needy because mm. it's a survival. If you reach out, you're going to be rejected. And if you're rejected, your mom's going to leave. And if your mom leaves, you're going to die. <laughs> right. And so yeah. it's, it's a survival mechanism right. as a child. And uh, yeah. we need that. But now as a 30 year old, I don't need that. I yeah. don't. Right. I don't need to blame myself. I don't need to have that mm. shame. I can, mm. I can work with the complexities of my psyche now that I'm older. Right. So. Yeah, it's beautiful. And it's taken you a while to get here, but yes, here you are. it has. I mean, I feel lucky to get to talk to you now and like to Thank hear you. your story, but to hear it from a place like you're coming from a place of greater maturity, mm. um, I feel like. And that yeah. feels really good to hear. Yeah. And to like honor some mm -hmm. of the complexities and also call a spade a spade, right? To like yeah, name yeah. something for what it is. Like that totally. feels refreshing. Yeah. It, yeah. And um, these, I don't know, to, I think it's important to talk about things like this. That's why I'm having on the podcast. Yeah. And then also yeah. to acknowledge the, the good that can come from meditation or from prayer mm -hmm. or even a belief in God, you know, that has helped a lot of people. It's led to a lot of abuse too, but it's, yeah, it's, uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, it's interesting that, um, just interesting how, how challenging it is to like have like healthy communities. It is, yeah. Yeah, and I think that that's where, again, that externalizing, mm. you know, um, because we can get the good stuff. And if we listen to ourselves, we're not listening to another person mm. to tell us who we are, tell us who we need to be, tell us uh, whatever, right. tell us the word of God. But we recognize that that word of God 
lives inside of us. Mm. And that is our navigation. Mm. That is our GPS. (laughs) And so we can go to this place of like, ooh, this is such a beautiful meditation. This is giving me this so much and yummy, 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 yummy. And then something happens that is borderline abuse or whatever. That navigation starts to speak up and it's like, hey, hey, uh, hey, no, no. (laughs) (laughs) And maybe it's a really um, quiet voice. Mm. And it takes, it takes practice to be able to hush ourselves, to listen to that quiet voice of like, oh, are you saying no? Mm. Are you saying no? Okay, let's, let's understand this. Yeah, listen and, to it. Yeah. yeah, let's listen to this. Let's really sit with this. And then from there, it's like this no is like, I'm not comfortable with this. I'm not going to do it. Mm. So I'm going to take what was good and I'm going to walk. You know, and that's, that to me is spirituality. That's the guru inside. Mm. That's the real teaching. I like that. Yeah. Find the truth within, find your own own truth and then speak out against abuse. I guess in an ideal world, we could have a community that could, you know, be able to handle a situation like this and move forward or, Mm. But it just seems like in so many of these communities, like if you took him out of the picture, what is left? Like it's all built around this one guru uh, person. And that just blew my mind. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. You know yeah, what I mean? Like, I do. Yeah, that's amazing. That's a great thought. I'm going to uh, chew on that yeah. for a while. But and we're, well, part of what we talked about before the podcast too is like having a lineage, a more like established mm-hmm. religion. You tend to find frameworks for dealing. Like, you know, if there's a, there's scandals with Buddhist teachers, yeah. but it doesn't destroy the Buddhist community. Hopefully not. I mean, right. or, the practice. or a Christian pastor does this or that, and a Jewish leader does this or that. But like, so I think part of what the problem, like we use the word cult, like it, like it's a new, like this thing with this guy is like a new thing, right? He's not drawing on. Right. He's not part of a lineage. He's not part of a lineage. Um, that's true. And it's not the, for sure, abuse can happen within lineages. I'm not saying that, but that the lineage can be something. Hopefully, in theory, it's something that's holding great value that, yeah. that is bigger than any one individual. Right. And so... Right. They can you know. draw on the lineage to to help the situation. Yeah. So if a teacher yeah. is acting out, then there's still the lineage to to draw upon. There should be, yeah. There should be. I think be. that's what it's, yeah. how it's meant to function in part. Yeah. I think it does, but it's it doesn't take away from the abuse that does happen and how damaging that can be. And it can be hard to, I guess, I mean, I'm coming from the Buddhist background. Mm-hmm. If you have a Buddhist teacher who's been endorsed by all these other Buddhist teachers, and then there's a mm-hmm. scandal about them, it's hard not to doubt the whole house of cards. But mm-hmm. I think, you know, I don't want to be too cynical either. I think someone like the Dalai Lama is a great teacher. I think he's helping a lot of people. So it's not, yeah. mm-hmm. it's not that, um, it's not black or white for me, but it's, um, there's certainly been a lot of abuses in all these communities. Yeah. There's something to grapple with. It is. And I think that as humans, it's really natural to, to think in black or white. It's really natural to think like you're saying like, Oh, this teacher is bad. Therefore like everything, you know, just (laughs) everything (laughs) that's bad. And, um, it's something that this experience taught me. One of the biggest lessons that it taught me is that Uh, things that, let's see, um, contradictions or things that are contradicting each other can exist at the same time. Mm. So for example, this teacher, 
he was out of integrity. He was abusive. He was very damaging. And he has this incredible gift. Hmm. So to accept that, to accept both of those things and not paint the whole thing with shit is, is really hard. It's really hard. But it's so honest. Yeah. That's but what it's we so need. Honest. We need more of that in our world. Yeah. You know? Even in, in politics or wherever you want to go with it. I mean. Oh, yeah. It's mo- most, <laughs> <laughs> most people believe that they are good and doing good things. And, yeah. you know, most people aren't. I don't know if anyone's really think waking up in the morning and being like, I'm evil. Maybe there's a few. I, I'm scared of those people. But <laughs> the people that Ooh. we tend to see doing bad things, like from their point of view, they're doing what they think is right, you know. And so. That's a hard thing, yeah. Um, trying yeah. to acknowledge that, trying to build these bridges and be able to talk about these issues without the black or white. Um, because if you're if you're demonizing that whole group, right? I mean, they, it sounds like they deserve some blame. It sounds like the people, there's people in that group who are really unfair to you and hurtful to you too. And so that community um, failed me for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So they deserve, they deserve to get that blame, I think. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's not a blame from like a shaming place though. Like you're wrong. You suck. Mm. But it's like a accountability, like the difference between shame and accountability. It's, It's like there's an accountability that he needed to take. And I did have one person from the community who was like, I knew something was wrong. I knew something was off. And I feel that we as a community failed you, and I'm so sorry. Oh, well. Yeah. Out of the whole community, not very many people believe me. How many people do you think are in the community? Lots. Like it's, a couple it's, thousand? Or? Yeah, for sure. Um, it's in Australia. It's in England. It's in Germany. So if they come across this podcast they will most likely just dismiss it they won't listen to it or think it's true yeah yeah they'll they'll think that um oh samantha didn't get the lesson from ratu poor her Mm, (laughs) it's kind of like fake pity (laughs) fake pity yeah bless her heart you know (laughs) yeah but you know that used to really hurt it did and time is time is quite a gift because it, what used to really hurt hmm. doesn't really hurt so much anymore because I've realized that there's this there's this adolescent feeling that we all have of wanting to be liked right. and wanting to be loved. And, and that yeah. will override our authenticity a lot of times. Sure, yeah. And I've come to this place of like, I would rather people not like me. And for me to speak with integrity and to be in my integrity. Mm. And so if that whole community doesn't believe me and they don't want to even try. Well, all right. <laughs> I, I don't really yeah. like really it, give that energy anymore. Right, totally. doesn't I need to affect that. you. I mean, it's like they would be so threatened to lose yeah. the belief in the all-perfect guru. So they, can't, uh, they yeah. can't entertain thoughts that would contradict that. Exactly. Um, yeah. Yep. What you just said is... Perfect. It's so well said because that's what Ratu Ratu would have given them the gift mm. of breaking that down. Mm, and the right. people yeah, that, that yeah. yeah, the people that I that I know who did believe me, they had that all break down, and they are better people because of it. Mm. I mean, they also you know they had to go through a lot of pain. It was mm. very painful to have to wake up to your illusions. Right. <laughs> it sucks. 
Yeah. It really sucks. And not a lot of people want to do that. Like beliefs become some like life jacket that we're just like holding on to because we think we can't swim. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good analogy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you take them off and you're like, it's so much better to not wear a life <laughs> jacket in water. <laughs> yeah. yeah. yeah life I feel the water. Like, yeah, they get kind of hot. Yeah. <laughs> life jackets, life jackets are good though, you know, for, for other yeah. reasons. But, well, yeah. but if you're just but taking a nice swim, swim. <laughs> yeah, if you're just taking a nice swim and you know you can swim, just take the life jacket off. Hmm. Well, so where are you now in terms of your spirituality and your path? And oh, does wow. it feel like, I mean, we, we just speak to it how much you want to, but yeah. are you, you know, something like meditation is still part of your life? I meditate every day. Okay. Well, I haven't been meditating as much lately, but I try, I have had a daily meditation <laughs> You still practice. value that practice. Oh, and, definitely. I do Vedic yeah. meditation now. Okay. Um, so I, I like the Vedic meditation a lot. Um, what's mm. funny, this is something that I still struggle with. I can have a lot of judgment on spirituality because mm-hmm. of my experience. And I think because there's still this part of me wanting to rebel and push it away and judge it, it's still a protective mechanism. So that's something I'm really looking at right now and really trying to work through for myself. Um, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. But I'm actually, it's kind of funny because I'm finding tea. 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 Tea ceremonies oh, okay. and... Um, Tea has become a practice for me that I'm yeah. really starting to get into. Yeah, that can be so beautiful and powerful. It can be, yeah. Slowing down, smelling yes, it. Yes, um, totally. Yeah, great. And it just makes me feel really happy. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I really love it. Um, I do beading. I picked mm. up beadwork recently, and that's been that's opened up open me up to understanding colors and I'm finding that colors feel spiritual to me. Hmm. Uh, just, I'm able to see things more clearly. I'm able to experience things and love things hmm. because I can see the colors in them, like in nature. I mean, yeah. Um, but yeah, as far as spirituality goes, I think it goes back to right in the beginning when I was talking about connection. Hmm. I don't really like the word spirituality anymore. Because for me, it's just connection. Connection, yeah. Yeah, connection to myself. Spirituality is a funny word. I mean, one definition or understanding of it that I like is connecting with something bigger than yourself. Mm. It's pretty simple. Um, But yeah, this word connection. What is bigger than yourself? (laughs) Well, you know, like the world, the planet, Earth, the universe. That is bigger. (laughs) Because it depends. so many of these conversations, then it's like, what do, what do you mean by self? Or what do you mean by the world? Or, <laughs> yeah, like, I don't know. But <laughs> just like our normal little self, like going around the world, like there's, yeah. there's something bigger than me. It's about more than, it's not just about me. Yeah. That's spirituality. Like that's that. all it needs to be. Like you could do something for someone else, for the world, for the future uh, yeah. generation. Like that's all spirituality, right? Definitely. And it goes back to what we were saying initially, as long as we're resourced inside ourselves. Right. Yeah. And that's where it starts to... Yeah. You know, yeah, absolutely. and that's that balance of being within mm. my teacher. What is the saying to be in the world and not of the world? Mm. Or is it the other way around? Not of no, the no, world, you got it. in the world and not, but not of it. I think that's it. Yeah. Yeah. She talks about that a lot and I'm still trying to put my head around it, but it's, yeah. it's the autonomy. Mm. 
Like we are autonomous beings being in the world and giving back to it mm -hmm. from a place that is true. A lot of people give even though they don't have it to give and they mm. end up really hurting themselves. Yeah, that's a great point. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. I think if we are, I don't know what words to use, like in alignment or in our health or yeah. in our natural state, like it's yeah. a natural thing. Like we breathe and the plants breathe in when we breathe out. Like mm. I'm not going around trying to breathe for the plants. Like, <laughs> like if we were in, yeah, like we were in equilibrium, if we were living in harmony with the land, like, you know, if yeah. it wasn't for, sometimes I think about like if it wasn't for human beings, there would be no chickens. There would be no cows. Like those animals have evolved in their form because oh. of our connection with them. There were dogs, like cats, whatever, like we're a part of the ecosystem too. We've yeah. helped create life. Like it, we can actually help increase biodiversity instead of destroying it if we mm. manage it, if we manage ourselves mm. and connect with the world. And so, yeah, I think I think what you're saying is important. Like we could give from a, pl a natural place where we're not being yeah. depleted. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, when we're that. full. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that a lot of a lot of people don't give enough to themselves, and that's mm. we're afraid of selfishness. Right. In in our society and to actually recognize selfishness as good mm. as self-respect and self-respect is also respecting others mm. so i personally love it when people tell me they can't or don't want to do something mm. even if like we make plans and that day they're like i'm not feeling good i don't want to i'm like oh right on <laughs> really proud of you because they're being true to themselves <laughs> they're yeah. being true to themselves and that oh. is a giving to me that somebody who is being really honest and saying like, I'm uncomfortable right now, or Samantha, you hurt my feelings, or like I can have my experience where I'm like, ouch, I'm a horrible person. Like the whole thing that I go through and then actually being like, thank you. Mm. What a gift you just gave me. And so I think that authenticity and that in a way selfishness is just as much a gift mm. too. Yeah, that's and a good point. Like it like an intelligent, healthy sense of yourself, self-respect. Yeah. I noticed myself not wanting to use the word selfish in that way because I was like, it does have negative It does. But You're right. But we do need to take care of ourselves. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 yeah I've come to terms with selfishness. Yeah. You know, I've come to terms. And I've also surrounded myself with people who appreciate my boundaries. Right. They respect them. And they respect them. And mm -hmm. by starting to express our boundaries and starting to express what we want and what we need, it's going to weed out a lot of people. Mm -hmm. So it takes a lot of courage. People pleasing, you can have a lot of quote unquote mm. friends. Mm. Um, but ultimately, they're not going to be there when you need them. Mm -hmm. So weed yeah. them out. <laughs> Only have like one or two great ones. That's all you really need. Nice. <laughs> well, it's been it's been great having you on the yeah, podcast. Thank you. I really appreciate you sharing your story and yeah. all your wisdom from it. Mm -hmm. um, do you have any last words you want to share with, with us? Yeah, I really want to thank you. I really appreciate your insights and um, how you listened and held the space in a very beautiful way. Um, and also everybody else who's listening. And I do want to say that if this podcast or this, what we talked about brought up anything Hmm. For somebody who might be going, should I look <laughs> for sure, anybody <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> who might be going through abuse or coming to terms with abuse that you may have had that couldn't recognize before, please reach out, get resourced, hmm. heal from it and take time to heal from it. 
don't pressure yourself to be somewhere that you're not because where you are is the step that you need to take to heal. Mm -hmm. So I just want to encourage anybody who's listening, if you want to reach out to me, you have something coming up, I want to be available for you. And I can help give you resources as well. Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, that's wonderful. So maybe we can um, put my Facebook page in yeah, the I'll podcast. Put some, each, each episode gets uh, show notes. So cool. just click on the notes and okay. I'll, I'll link to some of the stuff we talked about. Yeah. So thank and you. I, yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. If you have found this podcast valuable, there are many ways in which you can support it. You can share it with friends and on your social media. You can leave us a review on your favorite podcast listening app, and you can visit our Patreon page, patreon.com backslash a state of mind. For show notes and more information unique to each episode, visit astateofmindplay.com. And to learn more about my work as a therapist, meditation teacher, and coach, visit julianocean.us. And please don't hesitate to send me a message or email and let me know what you think and contribute to our conversation. Thank you so much for your support. It is listeners like you that make all this so very much worthwhile.